I'm very happy to be here today among you. I've been among you for, for quite some time, and it's beautiful to be back again. And God willing, you know, going forward, we'd like to be together for, for good. Uh, whether we are at Holy Cross Church or St. Basil Church, we are all one church. The unity of, of the church itself and the unity of the people is very important. And this is what we need to do and we need to feed and we need to think at all times. So, uh, God willing, God willing, we'll, we'll have a stronger church and, and the love that uh, will get us together and, and unite us together. We need to think of this and apply it and work with it. Uh, thank God that uh, Abuna Michael is, is with us and uh, we are on the same way of thinking that we need to love each other, respect each other, work with each other because when it starts at this level, when it starts with Abunas, you know, everybody with this, we know, will be on the same, same road going this way. Thanks to all of the people who really, uh, you know, uh, arranged for this meeting, for this retreat. It's a beautiful place outside and I, I really enjoyed it coming up, up here. And, uh, you know, the, the whole day, hopefully it will not rain or... I'm not quite sure if it rains, it's going to snow here. It's 5,000 feet high, you know. Hopefully we'll have some little bit of snow. <laughs> the kids will be very happy to see, to see this. As you've seen, you know, um, the theme of the talk or the theme of our, you know, meeting or our retreat it's the church at home. And specifically, we got one specific verse, which is Hebrew 3, 4, which I will talk about it, but first I'm going to talk in sequence as we, we have our book. You know, we have an Old Testament and New Testament. And we always have this connection between, between the two Old and New Testament. And they are always correlating to each other, going back and forth. So I'll tell you the story. The story started long, long, long time ago that God created Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve were one. When God said that Adam is alone and he's so lonely, he gave him out of his ribs, out of his body, he gave him Eve. And the story goes that Abraham came and he trusted God and he believed in God. And God promised him that this will be my people your descendant will be my people, this, your descendant will be the chosen people. Then what happened, happened with Joseph, he went to Egypt, and from Egypt comes Moses. The reason I'm saying all of this, because through the journey of Moses and the Israelites coming to the promised land, there's so many things we learn. And I'm going to stop at one specific point when Moses did something not very good, God was not very pleased, and by then, Moses did not go to the promised land. And it was intentional. But Moses did one good thing, he passed the responsibility to who? To Joshua. So Joshua became, you know, the new leader. Just imagine 600,000 people, 600,000 men, altogether about, about one million people, including the children and the, bo and, the, and, the, and the women and everybody, you know, left Egypt. All of them, in 40 years, all of them died. All of them did not go to the promised land, except this man we're talking about today, Joshua. 
Right? So it is, it's amazing. The two, exactly. Joshua and Caleb. Yes, thank you. So these two people only, the only people left from one million people left Egypt. The reason for this, of course, because they came from Egypt with all of this thinking of worshipping God. Whether God is Pharaoh, whether God is the sun, whether God, whatever the Egyptians were believing who is God. But the real God was in the heart of Joshua and Caleb also, only, and they wanted to teach this. We know all of the stories of what happened. But today, I'm going to read this verse for you, Joshua 24:15, And please feel free if you'd like to open your books and, and, and read it. Joshua said to the people this way, you know, he was, by the way, at the end of his journey. He was young. Again, young in, the, in our eyes, but he was 80 years old. 80 years old towards the end of his life, but he was very young at heart. And he said this, talking to all of the people. And all of those people is the new generation, that are the new generation, none of the old people that came from Egypt. And he told them, And if it, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, that were on the other side of the river, because they crossed the river, the Jordan River, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm going to stop at this. I'm going to repeat it again. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We know this verse very well, but you know, I'm trying to point exactly where it's coming from. It was Joshua. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So this sanctification of the human will happened here. The journey of Joshua involved God's dealing with his people. And they did so many bad things on their way. But Joshua did not force anybody to do things against their will. And say, hey, I'm the leader. I know God, the real God. You may not know him very well, but I will force you to do it. He never said anything like this. He gave them the full choice. He said, if you'd like to, Worship the God of the Amorites, where you were living in here, or the gods of Egypt. Do whatever you want to do. But there is consequences to that. But as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. This why Joshua assures them to choose for, for themselves. Uh, and he said, this day, whom you will serve, whether the gods behind the river of Egypt and so on. So again, Joshua wanted to worship God to stem from the, you know, given the complete freedom, saying to the people, you cannot serve the Lord. This is another verse coming after this. You cannot serve the Lord, for he is the holy God. He is jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. Why did he say this? He just told them, you need to, to worship God. But yet, again, one more time, he's telling them, you cannot serve God. Is there any conflict here? Definitely not. He knew the people very well because they promised so many times in the past. The response to him when he said the first time, choose, said, oh, we choose God. We will follow God. Whatever God says, we will do. And whatever his orders, we will do. But they don't keep the promises. So many times. 
they promised something and and didn't do it. Um, the sixth book of the Old Testament is Joshua. Does anybody remember what is the seventh book of the Old Testament? Judges. Exactly. And the first page and the first, first uh, 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 chapter in Judges, those people who said, we will listen to God, we'll do everything God tells us, they were worshipping idols. Right after Joshua, you know, died or passed, the first thing they did, they went back and they did not keep their promise and they start worshipping idols again. That's why he's telling them, you cannot serve God alone, for he is God, holy God, he is jealous God, he will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins, unless you worship him. But he assured them that everything will be good if you, if you continue on the right path. And the, when the people said, said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord as a promise, like I mentioned before. He asked us and advised us and forbid us from evil actions, but he does not impose anything as a leader. He does not impose anything on the people. Presence presents, you know, he, he presents that what is affordable. You know, there, is a lot, there are a lot of things that we can say and promise ourselves. I'm going to pray seven times a day, the Agbeya. I'm going to attend every liturgy in the church. I will go confession. I will serve in the church. I will, I will, I will. But yet when it's time to apply, different things happen. I will have all of these excuses that I give myself. I will think of something that, oh, poor me. I, I don't have the time or the energy or the, or the effort to do this. So let's be careful. When he said, choose this day and sin not against the Lord, St. Origen said this. By the way, today I'm not going to talk too much about the fathers because it's not really a sermon. It's, it's a talk. And please stop me anytime. Let's, let's have a conversation about things. So Origen said this. Therefore, what Joshua said to the people when he settled them in the Holy Land. Now fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and righteousness. And it will tell us if we are being misled to worship idols and follow and follows, destroy the foreign gods which your fathers worshipped beyond the river in Egypt and worship the Lord. Meaning the dedication part. If you say so, stick to what you said. Otherwise, don't choose from the beginning and come back and break the promise. As for me and my house, and this is very important, this is we're coming now to the meat of, of the talk. As for me and my house. Joshua is near the end of his life, like I mentioned, he was 80 years old, and he's successor of a great prophet, Moses. He thought that he would never do this. You know, he's in a, in a very big shoes, and he didn't know what to do. He was so scared, so afraid of very hard-necked people who would disobey him along the way, all the way, and yet he was entrusted to lead these people. But God told him, don't be afraid. I will be with you. I am with you. To the end, I will be with you. So... And he filled these shoes very well. He did a very, very good job. He took the possession of great cities. He took the possession 
of leading the people, and he was able to lead the people and people of Israel and deliver. Let's talk about the choices, first of all. I got little points here about the choice, because first of all, he gave them choice. Second, he gave them the timing and why. So those are the three major things we're going to talk about. The choice. Joshua issued a final challenge to the to Israelites. You give them a choice. You need to choose. You would think that after all of the Israelites went through, the choice is ready in their head and they know exactly who is God. For 40 years, they were taken care of. For 40 years, no food, no water, nothing lingering around Sinai intentionally because it could be taken in one week. They took 40 years, four zero years. was a reason for that. Um, so you think after all of these miracles that they've seen with Moses, starting from crossing the Red Sea all the way to the manna that comes every day, and they won't keep anything from the, night, from the day to the following day. It has to be fresh every day. It has to be new. Otherwise, okay, I'm going to keep, I'm going to save the food for tomorrow. It was new food every day. So you think that God, that the people knew exactly what's the answer. Yes, they said, we will worship God, but was it coming from their heart? A question. The choice must be always per, be personalized. Choose for yourself. I cannot choose for any of you. I cannot even choose for my wife. I cannot choose for my children. As a human being, I need to choose for myself because when it comes to eternity, it is my decisions that will take me, God willing, to the right, God willing, to heaven, rather than to the left. So it is my own choice. We live in the world filled with evidence of bad choices. There are so many bad choices around us. And those bad choices keep, come all the time and pound on us and keep telling us, this is the right path, this is the right path. Unfortunately, the young you know, generation, the, the youth, because of all the materialistic things that they hear all the time, it becomes in, in their heads that the choices are the bad choices of all times. It's easy to pick the bad choice. To the point they say, where is this God that you're talking about, mom and dad, and Abuna and the church? I don't see him. I want to see him. I want to feel him. Where is this merciful God that allows cancers and death and wars and, and killings and an end? You know, the bad influence outside, unfortunately, it's more strong than the influence inside the church. Mom and dad are talking. You have great responsibility. We'll come to this in a minute. What is happening in the church at home versus in the church at church? There is a big gap here that sometimes we think it's the responsibility of the church. We take our children to the church, and the church is responsible to teach my kid and put him on the right path. Hmm. We'll get to that also. Um, the Bible in this, in, uh, is the story of the power of the right choice. There are so many choices or so many stories that showed people that they picked the right choice. Choose, choosing is not an option, it's a must. I have to choose. Alternatives are always before us in every area of life. And to choose one is not not to choose. Sometimes I say, okay, go ahead and have a choice. So, okay, I'd rather not do that. That's not a choice. When I say choice, I would say, 
I will do that. There's a big difference here. I'm going to ask you, would you go to, to, to church, you know, on every Sunday and every time, you know, every service? Oh, I'd rather not to stay at home and go to church. That's not a choice. The choice will say, I will go to the services every Sunday and every service that I want to go to. See the big difference? I mean, being passive or being straightforward in the talk. It is not enough for us to know the right thing. Lots of us, we know the right things. But the right has power only as it is done, as we invest in it. I may know the path coming to this retreat. Waze tells me exactly. I have the knowledge, you know, to come all the way up here. Yet I lost my way three times coming up here. I have the knowledge. But when I come to apply it, here's the actual real problem that problems that face, face me. And we need to act correctly if I, which I did several times, I mean two times, that, you know, I made a U-turn, specifically at the, the last fork here. You know, so <laughs> I'm sure everybody did it, you know, um, which was so simple, thank God. But my point is, if we know, if we know the right thing, it's one thing, but applying the right thing is the really hard thing. Let's talk about time. The timing. Joshua said, choose this day. He didn't tell him, whenever you have time, whenever you're comfortable, whenever you feel like it, make a choice. He said, this day you need to choose. The time of choosing is now. As St. Paul said this in Corinthians 2nd, Behold, now is an acceptable time. Behold, now is a day of salvation. Like postponing, you know, all of this, the day of salvation the day of I really offer myself fully to God, I always put it back and say, okay, when I, am, when I retire, I will go to church and I will be a good person. I'll be a good man or a good, good lady or so on. So it's not, there is no guarantee that you will live to retire, right? The day is today that I need to choose today. If I don't choose today, I'm, putting, I'm taking a big risk. Too many of us has wasted too much time already, but we have to choose today, this day. And God doesn't want the remnants of our life, the leftovers, or this pieces, bits and pieces. God wants us all together, one piece. You, all of our minds, all of our thoughts, all of our actions. What's what, it's not whatever left. Okay, I will take care of my kids, I will take care of myself, I take care of my profession, I will take care of my health. And then I will go to church and worship God. This is the leftover, right? It, it, it's, it's completely the other way around. I need to have God first, who will take care of all of what I said before, of my health and my profession and my future and my kids and so on. Also, St. Paul, Paul said in Romans, um, Romans he said this, Dear brethren and sisters, he didn't say this, but I just put an introduction to it. He said this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. What is that you may prove? 
what is good and acceptable and perfect with, with God, the kind will be accepted. In other words, one more time, St. Paul is telling us fully, I need whenever, whenever I commit, I commit fully, I don't give God the leftovers. God doesn't want a part of us, like you say, okay, the body, I will take care of it, I will pamper my body. I will eat whatever I eat. I will do whatever I want to do. And my soul is with God. My spirit with God. I will live spiritually with God. But I'm making separation here between my soul and my body. God doesn't want this. You know, a week ago we were talking about, you know, after we die, what's going to happen to our bodies? So the bodies will go to dust. And that's about it. So whatever goes to to heaven will be my soul only? What, 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 what are the answers? Anybody may tell me? I'm going to heaven with my soul only? No. Am I going with this body? Thank you. I'm going with the body, but it is not, it's a glorified body. It's not the same exact body that I'm going with. Not the flesh, of course. But God willing, we have you and I, will know each other in heaven. When we see each other, you will remember this man was name was George, and I will know, yeah, right? We will know each other because we will have the features. We will have the looks of our body, but it's glorified body. It's not the body with flesh, right? Now, because St. Thomas Day, when we talk, Jesus, after he died and resurrected and came to visit all of the disciples, he did show them the scars of the, of the cross, and he went to St. Thomas and told him, bring your hand and touch my side where, where the spear was. Touch where my, you know, where the, where the thorns were and my, the, whatever left from the, from the nails. He did not bring God as God. He's able to, to make a perfect body with no scars at all. But he came with the same body, but glorified body. And this is exactly what's happening to us. Now the question to you real fast. Somebody been tortured like St. George, I'm biased here, okay? St. any of the saints, you know, who was tortured, and they were like cuts, and they were like bad things happened to them. Whenever they die and go to heaven, they would have a perfect body with any of these scars, with none of these scars, all of these scars would be there, as is. But it will be glorified. When we look at them, it's not going to be a bad scene in our, oh, look at this poor thing, He's, he has all of these gashes and all of these bad things happening to him. But we will be very happy and will glorify them and we will bow down to them because they stood all of these pains because of Jesus. So they will be exactly as is. If somebody will be on a wheelchair or whatsoever, it doesn't mean that he has to be a wheelchair. There will be no wheelchairs in, in heaven, you know. <laughs> Because the bodies will be different. But what I'm trying to say, the bodies will come as is. If we have all of these tournaments or things happen to this body, will come with us, but in a glorified way. The present is all what we have now, this moment. And with each, with each time, the clock is ticking. Like I'm saying, we need to do it now. We need to choose before it's too late. The last point I want to talk about, choose what? He asked him, to choose, in general, choose now, but choose what? Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. He asked them, you have a choice and choose whom you will serve. You're going to serve 
these gods or the god or nothing at all. The call is for the decision right now. Choose for yourself this day, he said this, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. So given the, the ultimatum, the full choice. But as for me, one more time I'm going to repeat, he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So Joshua here was issuing a loud and clear call for this decision to the people. And he draw a line and he said, this is the line, go this way or go this or that way. Now, this choice for good of your family. Earlier, I meant, I, I said that I choose for myself. But here I have to come to the point of responsibility. As mom and dad, as even single people, as a family now I'm talking. Single people maybe in time you will have the family, but it's good to know the, the point. The challenge was put forth to Joshua, and Joshua made this decision for me. He, he responded already. He said, for me and my house, we will worship God. And Joshua committed himself in a, as a spiritual leader in this home. Christians' home, homes does not happen. We say, okay, I was born, and I was baptized, and I became Christian, and I grew up. I found the right lady, the right girl, and the girl found the right young man. And we got married, and we have a Christian house. As a slogan, as a big banner written on the house from outside, yes, it's a Christian house. But is it really a Christian house? Christian house doesn't just happen. It, we work it. We made it. We have to acquire it. It's a long and hard work for everybody to do. Marriage does not make a home a Christian, one-on-one equal Christian house. This, this is not it. It's, it, it. In theory it is, but in practicality it is not. Christians' homes are the result of deliberate choice and work. Choose who you will serve here in the house. But for me and my house will serve the Lord. Choose God. God love and... <clears throat> God, God is love, so love God with all of your heart. Make him the center of your life. Ladies, on this Mother's Day, which is tomorrow, happy Mother's Day to every, to every mom. It's tomorrow, right? Would you really take this decision? Would you really take this commitment and remember one day that she said, in 2019, on Mother's Day, I took this commitment and I took this decision. Something to remember. Something to remember. I took the decision to serve God. To be, to have God in my house as the leader in my house. Joshua declared this, like Joshua declared this, said again, repeating myself here. My house, me and my house, we will worship the Lord. So this was the Old Testament. This was hap what happened in the Old Testament. Joshua said so. Let's jump now to the New Testament. Like I mentioned, always there are connections between the New Testament, the fulfillment of the New Testament. Sorry, fulfillment of the Old Testament in the New Testament. Our verse today in Hebrews 3, 4 reads as such. I'm going to read the passage itself, not the one verse, because to get the whole context. Therefore, holy brethren, this is St. Paul is talking. 
Therefore, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostles and the high priests of our confession, Jesus Christ, of Christ Jesus. He called him the high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him, who appointed him as Moses also was faithful in all his house. There's a bit of comparison here. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he would build, as who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house, this is the, the verse we're talking about, for every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. I'm going to repeat the last verse again because this is our big one. For every house is built by, by someone. Of course, the house is not built on its own. Somebody has to build it. But he who builds all things is God. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear this voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness. Again, one time, St. Paul repeated what Joshua said, and he said, today. So the timing is very important. He said, today make the choice. Therefore, I was angry. I'm sorry. Where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years, therefore I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter the rest. Beware, brethren, but to exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hindered through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it said today, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So one more time, there is so many relationships between what happened here. But I stress on one thing, today. Today is the day. For every house it's built by somebody. Again, it's not built on its own. Just imagine this place, that somebody had a dream of building this beautiful retreat here. And okay, the following day or two or month or a year, it's built. No, he has to go through the city and apply for you know, whatever it's needed and, and get a contract and first of all have all of the finances to do it. And all of these things has to be worked upon by man, right? For every house is built by someone or by, for, by some man or by someone. For the house does not be built by itself. It is clear that every house must, be, must have a builder. And here we're talking about the builder. Every family has to have a founder. Forgive me, single people, that I'm talking about the family, stressing, you know, a little bit of the family, because it's very important. The family brings singles, that the singles will become family, and the family will bring singles again, and so on and so forth. So I need to stress on this cycle of, that repeats itself. Mom and dad, what are we doing? Those are the builders of the house. This is true of houses, of property taken, and everything important that we have to have this 
plan that we have to do. Nations and tribes and families and the whole churches, they do things. Even great saints, the apostles and the prophets such as Moses, are, are built by and upon Christ. If we have this decision that we bring Christ to our lives and we build our house on this foundation, the good things is going to happen. And it is equally clear that God is the creator of all things. If God in our head, we really think and we believe that he is the creator of all things, God must be over all things. He is the creator of all, therefore he must be over all. Coming back to the Old Testament one more time, Amos, Amos one of the prophets in the Old Testament, he said one of the things, you know, Amos 5, 1, 6, verse 4 and 5 specifically, he said this, For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, and the word house is what I stressed on, house of Israel meaning the congregation, meaning us, meaning the church, seek me and live. See the point? Seek me and you will live. But do not seek Bethel, nor enter Gilgal, nor pass over places. Why? Seek the Lord and live, lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph and devour it with no one to quench it in Bethel. So it's a little bit harsh when in the Old Testament because of the people went back and forth several times. So he has to give them, you know, the right path. And also, if you don't do this, this is the consequences. If you do bad, this is the consequences. When did this happen? It, it did not happen at the time when Israel was at the low point. Actually, they were a very strong nation by then. Economically, and were very prosperous, and they were very, very strong at the time of Amos. But he told them, always reminding them, seek me and live. Because if you don't seek me, what happened after this, they were overtaken and they were taken as slaves to other places also. We have financial situations, all of us, we take care of our financials. So some of us may, may invest in stocks and stuff like this. Before we get started, assume that we are not going to an advisor and ask him to do this. Assume I'm doing this on myself, on my own. I have to study. I have to figure out exactly what is the, the market and what does it do. So I go to a specific company, something like Qualcomm, and say, okay, let's see how Qualcomm is doing. Is Qualcomm profitable or not? If Qualcomm is losing 90% of its revenue or its, its, its value, would I go invest in Qualcomm? Definitely not. So I'm doing my, my job to study exactly. By the way, this is not the case in Qualcomm. It's very, very profitable and it's very good. I'm not saying to invest in it. But <laughs> please do. <laughs> For the sake of Sylvia, please do. <laughs> not many people will, will follow a sport team if he's like losing 90% of the time. Unless you're in San Diego when Chargers were here and you were, you were supporting the Chargers and were losers across the time, all the time, you know. But this is a different story. Uh, my point is, if we're doing our, our really job to study what we need to, to do, you know, we will think exactly what would be the, the, the thing. 
Yet the losses experienced by Israel were 90% at that time. They lost everything and they keep losing everything because they were not strong. They were not thinking the right way generation after generation. They were always keeping the door cracked open and allowing the, the wrong thoughts and the wrong gods to come there. There is some hope, however, yet 90% of their actions were wrong, but it's, right, it's better than 100% failure. There's still this 10%, the crack of the door open, that they would be, and they did well. They did well back and forth several times. God is telling them that while their punishment will be devastating, it will not be total. There will be still a remnant. There will be still a peace. Peace on, you know, peace not peace like salam, yani, but part of you will bring all of the nation back again. So he said, seek me that you may live. This is one only situation of what trouble mankind to seek the Lord. There is no any other way. If I'm at my low, low, low point, when I seek God, I will live. John 14.6 said so. Jesus said so. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me, no one comes to the Father except through me. So now, even at my lowest, lowest point, I know the path. It is in front of me. God himself, Jesus himself, came to me and said, I am the way, the truth and the life. If you want to come, come. But you will never reach the Father except through me. Amos told the Israelites not to go to Bethel and Gilgal. Why is this? Gilgal is this location where the Israelites first crossed into the Promised Land. The first time when they crossed you know, the Jordan River, they landed in a place called Gilgal. It was there, it was here that Joshua circumcised the nation and built an altar to the Lord. By the way, another piece of information, all of the people who were born in this 40 years, whether they lived or died, they never been circumcised. The idea itself was not in their head. They start being God's people. So the big sign of being, I commit myself to God in the past was the circumcision for the men. So they were never been circumcised. All of the new people, you know, for 40 years, never been. Right after when they moved, when they passed the Jordan River and went to the Promised Land, they committed themselves. And by then it was the ritual or the, 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 the order of God, being my people that we circumcised. The important thing to note here is that the Israelites were participating in religion as they thought best. Through the 40 years, okay, one time they got collected all of the gold and made a calf. And they said, okay, this is God. And, of course, it was destroyed. They went with Moses big time and they were worshipping God. And I'm very, very strong spiritually. One time. As they see best themselves. So they did not really take one right path. The men and women were participating in <clears throat> a religion that they thought would bring them to God. But it couldn't because they were seeking a God of their own making, a God of their own thinking. They were mixing the purity of the law with pagan customs, and they were seeking him on their terms, rather on God's terms. 
So that's why, one more time, this one million people who came out of Egypt did not enter the promised land because in their hearts they were thinking of Ra. They're thinking of the Egyptian and the Pharaoh's gods. And they were mixing sometimes God, God, our God, the real God, and sometimes the gods of the past, of Egypt, and sometimes the gods of the Amorites like we, we have today. They thought they had to add something to God to make, to make him more interesting and acceptable. I read something really interesting. Adding this flavor, you know, to make God a bit uh, uh, interesting. So I read, you know, whether it's true or not, but it's just something I read. In, in New York, one of those priests or one of those pastors did something. You know, his church is going down and the attendance wasn't very strong. He said, oh, I'm going to do something that bring people and get people attention. So he got a bicycle and he got 1,000 Bibles and put them in the street on the sidewalk. And he made a stunt. He got the bicycle and he flew on top of them. <laughs> and he did not touch. And he was successful. And everybody think, oh, look what, what this pastor is doing. This is an amazing thing. Let's go and see. Maybe he is fun. So you see the idea? See the idea? The, the way people think. <clears throat> did it one more time and he put some flames, like a circus. You know, flames on, on the floor and stuff like this. And made another stunt and he got his bicycle and, and, and flew over it. Yes, people came to see this man, but for how long? For how long was he teaching the right teaching or were making a show? And I'm coming to the point of making a show. How often do we do this at church? How often really us here, I'm not pointing fingers to anybody, including myself, we go to church to make a show, to, to show that I'm going to church, to say he or she or, or whomsoever is a church goer and he or she is there every Ashaya, every Vesper, and attends, you know, the, you know, the, the liturgy since Matin, since the beginning, I am there, I am dedicated. But where is my heart? Is it a ritual that I go to church to show others that I'm doing this, or I'm really, really going there for my salvation? Or we may make God in our image <clears throat> that we come and worship, but we are not willing to submit to God as he is like in the church. In other words, I make this picture of God that I worship. Like the Israelites in the past, they made their God, right? But do we do this? Sometimes in our heads, in our thoughts, we create a God of our own to worship. We like the God that he is wonderful, he has wonderful plans for our lives, that's going for, to fix every problem in our lives. And whenever God, whenever we read about God is allowing tribulation, God is allowing something bad to happen to me personally or in the world. I mean, we keep thinking, why would God allow ISIS in the Middle East to be able to... To do what they've done. You know, why? Why is this? So now I am demoting God and saying, okay, God, you're not, you're not the best. You're doing things that it shouldn't be done. By the way, I read something very, very heartbreaking. You know, the Yazidis, you know, when, the, when ISIS took the Yazidis, you know, by force, the ladies and so on. 
they force them into, you know, uh, marriages and stuff like this. Now, ISIS does not exist anymore, or at least they don't have territories. Now, those ladies would like to go back to their homes with the kids that they were born in the past three or five years. And their people, their mothers and fathers, they said no. Either you come alone, and this boy or girl who is the son or a daughter of ISIS, you have to separate them. This is heartbreaking. This is bad. You know how I would take the... First of all, they said it's an amazing thing that they accepted them back. This is my daughter. I mean, accepting... Of course I'm going to accept her, but yet they insist not to take the kids. This is so, so heartbreaking. This is, again, this is the, the mind here. Is God worth seeking? Twice we said, seek me and that you may live. We just heard it twice so far. Our God made everything out of nothing. Nothing cannot be made out of nothing. But God is capable of, the, of, this, of this thing. It is simply unscientific to suggest that nothing could be made out of nothing. Yet God made everything. He turns the darkness into light and the darkness day into night. And, and darkens, darkens the day into night. The Lord is his name. It is he who should be seeking. We should seek him. We could go to the church week after week and we look for things and words. Still, something did not change me from the inside. Brothers and sisters, there is nothing more important in the world right now than you get this right. We need to get it right. Who are you seeking? Does the fruit of your life really demonstrate who you're seeking? No questions, no, no answers to this, but everybody will answer this to himself, to herself. Does my, is, you know, does my fruit of my actions show that I am seeking God? This is the question. With this, I give you an introduction of one thing that I would like to talk about really fast. In the litanies of the assembly, Abuna always pray and say this, houses of prayers, houses of purity, and houses of blessings. Prayers, bless purity, and blessings. Prayers. Do we really pray at home? Do we really show my kids, younger or smaller, younger or older, that I pray at home? Do we have dedicated time to, to show that I'm praying? Yet, the church is t teaching me, whenever you want to pray, go to your room, close your door, and pray to God. Don't show. I'm asking you ladies, and specifically, I insist on the word ladies, and I put ten lines after the, under this. When you go home and pray, please show you are praying to your kids. They need to know, when you tell your kids, Habibi, you need to pray. Prayer is good. Go to pray. You can talk all day long, but unless he or she will see mom and dad really standing and raising their hands and praying, they will never do it right. Right? It's not a time of a looks of showing off. I'm not showing off, but I'm leading by example. I'm showing them how it is to be done. Okay, I'm very tired. I go after a long day. I need to go to home. Uh, to, when I go to home, I'm tired, so I need to pray. Uh, later on, 
By the way, praying it doesn't have to be in the bed, you know, next to the bed, like the pictures that we have all the time, that somebody is kneeling at the bed like this and, you know, and praying. This is all the pictures we see, right? Praying is way beyond that. I should pray and show my kids prayers. And I would ask you this. Select a specific time when you still have mental energy and physical energy that you're able to do this. For five or ten minutes, but seriously, close the TV, close the music, close whatever is, is happening there, and pray. Whether you pray from the Agbeya for one song and the, and, and the gospel and the litanies, for one song, but show the kids that you're doing this. This is the houses of prayers. People will say, I go to church and I pray. Okay, let's say that we go to church for two hours a week, for three hours a week. Do we really pray two or three hours a day? Uh, I'm sorry, a week at, at, uh, at home? Uh, it's a question that, you, you know, if, if we divide this, it will be about 20 minutes per day praying. Do I really do this? Answer to yourself. This prayers is very important. It's going to bring all of this, all of this purity and blessing. Houses of purity, of course, there are forbidden things. There are things in the house that has to be forbidden. Needless to say, this devil in my hand is devil living in my house. And I open this and invite this devil at all times and ask him to, to feed my thoughts and my eyes with things, whether I take it by... Knowing that it is, it is harming me and I do it and I take it, or I close it down. I'm, you know, for the sake of time, one more time, please, 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 young ladies and young men, before mom and dad, control this because it's controlling us all. All of this alerts that comes and ding dong, whenever I hear this, I run to the phone right away. I said, okay, what's happening? Of course, the idea is, okay, work is calling me. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, uh, um, school is telling me a message. Mm -hmm. And so on and so forth. All of this is just excuses. Really, I'm talking about the chat and the gossip. Really, I'm looking for, oh, what happened to him and her? What she, did she do and he do? And so on and so forth. This is the real thing. This is the devilish part here. Not to go to the other extreme of having bad pictures and bad followers and bad videos. and It's so easy to get it here. And please, I beg you and I bow in front of you. Please, control this. Your life will be much, much better. Seriously. This is the purity. When it comes to houses of blessings. Uh, houses of blessings. Do we need blessings in our houses? Definitely yes. But how would this happen? How would this happen? People, I'm going to talk about alms. You know, people tell, you know, some of the fathers don't like to talk about two things, which I'm going to talk about them now. <laughs> Money and how we dress in the church. And those are two things bothers me big time. But I'm going to take the first one, which is alms. If you need blessings, people think that, okay, whenever I am rich, whenever I have the bonus towards the end of the year, whenever I have good money, I will give my alms. I will give my, my tithe. It's completely the other way around. If you want to get the big bonus, 
if you want to get the good blessings, I'm talking about money specifically, you need to give first. Of course, I'm not here talking about money because money itself is devilish. But I'm talking about the command that God told us to do so. Give your tithe. Give your alms. This is a command by God. Whenever you give it, you will get more hundredfolds. And this is very, very crucial. This is one thing. And the other thing, how we dress in the church. I would tell you 95% of boys, and I start with the boys and girls, or men and, and women, respect the church and come to the church right in the right attire and everything. But it is this 5% that everybody comes and look at this 5% and judge the rest of the, of the congregation on them. There are things that we need to, to understand very well. Purity and the respect of the house of God, it's very important. We have to have this quote-unquote dress code. Uh, Abuna, if you allow me, we, we can work together on a dress code like brochure. Remember Sayyidina was talking about something like this? And we can just post it together in both churches. And we say, this is not allowed, and this is allowed. It's not a new idea. This is happening in almost every place. But we need to remind people how to think. I don't understand, you know, a boy that he comes to church in shorts. Uh, okay, we're not going to play soccer here. We're not going to the, to the park. We're going to the, you know, the, the house of God. Just imagine that I'm going to meet Mr. Trump. Would I go with shorts? They will not allow me to go from the outside gate. <laughs> right? They will not allow me to get in. Unless I have proper attire, I will be allowed in. So just imagine I'm going now to the King of Kings and God himself. Going to the church with these pants that, to me, it was crazy. That half of it is not there. Whether <laughs> it is cut or have windows on them or intentionally they make windows on them, you know. what does this mean? You know, and again, I'm not saying don't dress it in the church and dress it outside. I'm not saying this. If I am proper in my attire, attire specifically in the church, I have to be properly attired and dressed all my life, all the place. Not to mention you know, cut sleeves and, and, and things that you may understand, or, or very tight clothes or very short clothes and so on. You know, we need to keep this in our mind. We are going to God's place, and this is very important for us, to show respect and to teach others. Our church here is very, very unique. We are inviting and opening the door for other, other than Coptic people. When they come, the first thing they do, they look at the congregation. You know, Greg, when he came here, I'm sure he didn't look at the, at the altar the first thing. He, he met the people. Do you like me, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> he met the people, and he liked the people, and bit by bit, he looked into this, and he liked the place he is, you know. So he is he's an awesome man, that he did not judge people. He came for the faith, but others may not. And it's our responsibility that we kick people outside simply because we're so sloppy. We're so not paying attention of what we should do. So I urge you, I urge you moms and dads, young ladies, young men, 
all of us, to respect the house of God and to be careful of what we're doing. Promise to think? Promise? Thank you. And glory be to God forever and ever. We want to thank you so much for listening to St. Basil's podcast. We hope that you have gained spiritually from our remarkable speakers, and we appreciate your support towards this podcast. St. Basil American Coptic Orthodox Church is looking to purchase a home, and we would love for you to be a part of our community. We are looking to raise funds towards this novel mission, Orthodoxy in an American Context within the San Diego area. You may donate online through our website, www.stbasil.net that's www.stbasil.net or click on the link below when it will take you to our donations page you may also mail in your contribution at the address located on our website we thank you for any contribution and may our lord jesus christ always bless your heart and home